I am so stirred, so stirred. So now I get to preach to you. I'm so excited to preach to you guys. Uh, this is home. This is my comfort zone, I would say, uh, as I travel and preach all over. Uh, there's no place like home. It's a true saying. It's a true statement. And I am so stirred to be able to talk to you this morning. And I believe God has something fresh for us. And I believe we're just going to just have a powerful time in his presence. But before we go any further, can we just take a moment and just talk to God for a minute? Can we just talk to God for a minute? So, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would just come in. We pray that you would come in and move in such a way, such a special way, in a way that marks us for the rest of our life. Lord, we pray that you come into this place, Lord, and every broken person is made whole. We pray, Lord, that you come into this place and every sick person is healed. We pray that you come into this place, Lord, and everybody who just needs a fresh touch gets a fresh touch this morning. Whatever the people need this morning, we call on you. And we ask, Lord, that you meet our needs this morning like you always do. Holy Ghost, come into this place and take over. If that means I don't get to preach, I don't get to preach. Holy Spirit, come into this place and move like a mighty rushing wind. Blow through this place. Fill us to overflow. We surrender to you, Jesus. We submit to you this morning. And we pray, open our ears so that we can hear you. Open our eyes so that we can see you. And open our hearts so that we can receive you. This morning, we want the more of God. This morning, we want the more of you. Don't let us go another Sunday without getting more. We want the more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I'm a talk back preacher, so I need you to talk back to me. I know it's 8 a.m. 8 a.m. is the service that actually has grown like crazy. Usually, I, I can already tell, like, you know, usually back in, I've hosted services since we've started the three services. Sometimes my 8 a.m. is like, are you ready for church this morning? 9.45, are you ready for church this morning? Yeah! Whistles blowing, everything. Like, third service, are you ready for church this morning? Cartwheels, flags, you know, it's crazy. First service, are you ready for church this morning? Yeah! Amen. So we're going to have some church this morning, and I believe you're going to get what you need this morning. How many of you came ready for a word this morning? Amen. Well, I'm going to preach to you a message called Let Love In. And we're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7, New King James Version. I'm bouncing around from the New King James to the NLT and to the NIV. You say, why don't you stick with one? Well, I just felt led to do it this way. Amen? So, New King James Version. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up and does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked thinks no evil, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul pins these words. And when he is pinning these words, the book of 1 Corinthians, and I've actually said this before, is actually a book of correction. Paul was correcting their issues and their division. Paul pins this letter to them, and in the moment, the church was in a horrific famine. The church was struggling, but it was not a famine of food, money, or what we think to call a famine. They were in a famine of love. Without love, this church was about to be torn apart. I want to tell you today, nothing will hold people together as will love. I'm going to say that again. Nothing will hold people together as will love. The greatest weapon we have to offer is not our denomination, not our buildings, not our congregation, not our money. Not all the stuff we can do, but the greatest thing we have to offer is our love. It's God's love on display through us. Can I get an amen? Aren't you grateful for the love of God? 
Come on, there are four types of love we read about in the Bible and in the Greek and in the New, T- in the New Testament. But the one I want to talk to you about this morning is the agape love. I'm going to say that again, the agape love, which means the unconditional love of God for us. Agape love, the unconditional love of God for you and for me. It's a selfless love, a sacrificial love, a merciful love, a never-ending love. Agape love loves you even when you don't love yourself. Agape love loves you even when you don't love yourself. What's on this side of the room? Agape love loves you even when you don't love yourself. It does. It loves you when you're down. It loves you when you're broken. This is the love of Jesus for you, the agape love. It's an unconditional love of God for his people. Agape love. And I want to let you know that the truth is we wouldn't be here today without the agape love. I wouldn't be standing here this morning without the agape love. Without the agape love of Jesus, you wouldn't be in the seats this morning. Without this kind of love, we wouldn't be here today. Paul says love suffers long. This means it doesn't lose heart. It's patient with people. A lot of times we pray to love people better, but we don't pray to have patience with people better. We'll say that. A lot of times we say, yes, pastor, I want to pray to love people better. But do you ever pray to have patience for people better? This is powerful because the truth is God was long. This is what the scripture says. Long suffering. Long suffering. This shows that his love is what? Patient. It's long suffering. How many can testify in this room that God's love was long-suffering with you? It was long-suffering. I know I could jump up and down on that one because it's true. He has been long-suffering with me. His love has been patient. His love has been true. As Christians, we need to be able to be long-suffering with people. Come on, somebody. That means there is, if there's not an immediate change in people's lives, we don't begin to look down on them. We don't get stuck up. We don't give up. Instead, we are long-suffering with them. We say, God, if you worked it out in me, you can work it out in them. Come on, somebody. If God worked it out in me, he can work it out in you. Trust me. I can look around this room and see some testimonies that I know. If God worked it out in you, there's nobody he can't work it out in. Come on, somebody. This is true. This is true. But trust me, I can also tell you, That in moments where I wasn't long-suffering with people, I could see the result of that. Say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Corey? We could say we love people all we want. But if we don't display a love towards people, if we don't show this love towards people, in more ways than just saying we love you, then how can you say you love them? Because love in its core is an action. It is an action. Love on what? Display. You've got to show them. One of the ways you can show somebody you love them is when you're long-suffering with them. You're patient with them. When they make a mistake, you're not quick to judge them on the mistake. You're quick to pick them back up again. Can I get an amen? Are you grateful that God was quick to pick you back up again? That God was faithful to pick you back up again? We used to be broken, but now we're whole. We used to be lost, but now we're found. And if you can't say that yet, today's your day. Today's your day. 
If you can't say you've been made whole yet, if you can't say you've been found yet, well, I got good news for you. Today's your day. Hear the preacher. Today is your day. Why? Because God's here to set you free. I've come to say this morning at Calvary, you don't have to perform to be loved here. I've come to say this morning at Calvary, you don't have to perform to be loved here. We prayed that you would come. If you're broken, we know the one who can make you whole. If you're sick, we know the healer. If you're worried, we know the giver of peace. If you're struggling, we know the helper. If you need forgiveness, we know the merciful one. If you need to be filled, we know the baptizer. If you need to be loved, we know the lover. If you need to be saved, we know the Savior. His name is Jesus, and he's for you this morning. Paul also says that love is kind. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says this. He says, love is kind. How many of you know that God is kind? Paul again tells us about the, guy, the kindness of God in Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins. Giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in the sight of God. And gave us a confidence that we'll inherit eternal life. Come on, I'm grateful that God's kindness towards me gives me the confidence that I'll be with him forever. God's kindness towards me gives me the confidence that I'll be with him forever. I'm grateful that the cross was his kindness towards us. I'm grateful that the resurrection was his kindness towards us. I'm grateful that his return will what? Be his kindness towards who? God's kindness has been constantly on display throughout the Bible and in our life. I want you to take a moment right here in the sermon, right here in your seat. I want you to use your minds for a minute. and I want, to, I want you to think back over your life. Where have you seen the kindness of God on display? In your own life. I could talk to you all day about where I've seen the kindness of God. Where have you seen it in your life? Where did you see God's smile in your life? God's act of kindness, God showing you compassion, God moving on your behalf. I begin to think if we sit here and we really meditate on that for a moment, we can come up with more than just one answer, more than just two, more than just three, more than just four, more than just five, more than just six. We can actually begin to fill a whole page and maybe even a packet, maybe even a book. Why? Because since we've been alive, His kindness has been on display towards us. Here, maybe if you're, you might be struggling trying to figure that out. Let me help you a little bit. Are you ready for this? You're still alive. Are you ready for this? Your kids are healthy. Are you ready for this? you got food on the table. Are you ready for this? Are, are you ready? Money in the bank. That's core, you're wrong on that one. Well, not after today. Come on, get a job. You live in a country that jobs are available. You live in a country that has health care. You live in a country that's got running water, a city that's got running water. you got plumbing. you got all of these things. God's kindness on display. You have grocery stores. God's kindness on display. You have hospitals. God's kindness on display. You have access to medication. God's kindness on display. What? God's kindness is all around us. It's been evident. It's been alive. It's been real in our lives. Are you grateful for God's kindness? Amen? Amen. I, just, I feel the Lord right there. Come on, can we just take a moment and just thank Him for His kindness? Lord, thank You for being so kind to us. Lord, right here in the middle of the sermon, we thank You for being so kind to us. 
Lord, we thank you even at times if we take your kindness for granted, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for overlooking the little blessings of the everyday life that you begin and have continued to pour out over us. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your kindness. Now I want to ask you a big question. This one's, I got another question after this, about three questions in this whole message. Are you ready? Are you being kind? Are you being generous? Is your kindness on display? Are we showing the kindness of God through us? Or are we not? Can I preach to you for a moment this morning? Have we become stubborn sometimes in the area of showing kindness? Have we become a little offended at times in the area of showing kindness towards people that we really don't want to show kindness to, so we don't do it? Why? Because we're offended at them. I mean, you know, how many times did God probably have every reason in the world to get offended at you and me? But he didn't. Why? His kindness was on display. And as disciples of Jesus, is our kindness on display in every area in every walk of life with every person is God's kindness on display through your life are you willing to still help people that don't want to help you are you willing to still give to people that's never gave to you are you willing to still do things out of a heart of kindness for people that have never shown kindness towards you I've come to tell you that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of Jesus for us. is to show kindness to everybody, no matter what they've done to us, no matter who they are, no matter where they've come from. Because if it wasn't for the kindness of God that was shown towards us, where would we be? Are you being kind, church? Are you kind? And I'm not talking about Sunday morning fellowship. We all put on a kind hat on Sunday mornings. And if not, man, <laughs> we got foundations during the day. We got to really disciple some people. But on Sundays, it's easy to put a, a hat on that's kind and, a, and I don't want to say a mask, but begin to live a life that, oh, yeah, we love Jesus. We love people. But as soon as Monday comes, we're back to being stubborn. We're back to being mean. We're back to being rotten. Why is that? Why is that? It's because we're not letting the fullness of God's Spirit work in our life. I've come to tell you God wants to work in your life more than just on Sunday. More than just on Wednesday. I've come to tell you that God wants to work in you every day of the week, every second, every minute, every hour. God wants to work on you. And get this, you got to stay in a place of surrender towards God's work in your life. Because our kindness, friends, has to be on display. Pastor Otis has said this a million times, and I love this by Jesse DePlanis. Only the only people, the only Jesus people will see is the Jesus in what? You and in me. So that, that means there might be a person at Walmart that will never come into the doors of Calvary. We'll never come on Sunday for you to smile at them, wave at them, shake their hand. But you'll walk by them at Walmart every single day. Or 
however often you go to Walmart, not every day, Lord. Pray for us if you go every day. But there's people in your everyday life that you have opportunities to show God's kindness to. And that might be the only opportunity for them to see Jesus and to respond to him. And God's used you, put you there, anointed you to be there, positioned you to be there, to be a light. What if they didn't show God's kindness? Friends, let this ring on the back of your mind when you go into work tomorrow. Be God on display for people. I heard Lou Engle say one time, Lou Engle said, if we're not God on display to people, and they die never knowing Jesus, never hearing the gospel, but they passed you and they passed me every single day, but we were never the gospel on display in their life, then let their blood be on our hands. Then let their blood be on our hands because we weren't bold enough to be Christ to them and to show them Jesus. Come on, are you willing to show Jesus to your community? Amen? Amen. But hear me. This is really powerful. As we show kindness, as we show love to people, I want you to hear this. At the same time, don't let your love become your compromise. Don't let love become your compromise. See, there's this great line. We want to love people. We want to show kindness to people. But don't let love become your compromise. What do I mean by that? In the realm of sin. In the realm of wrongdoing and disobeying God, don't let love become compromise. Love people, but still tell them that's sin. Still tell them that's wrong. Still tell them God's got a better plan. Still tell them, hey, God loves you, God's for you, but that is wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. Don't let love become your compromise. Preach against sin, but preach against it with what? Love. Preach against it with what? Love. My dad was always great at correcting me as a kid. And every time he corrected me, he could be telling me everything I did wrong. He could be telling me, Corey, you did this wrong. You misbehave here. You shouldn't do that. I mean, he could be ripping me a new one. But I would walk away from that conversation, never feeling like my dad didn't love me. Why? Because sometimes I still needed to hear, this is wrong. But at the same time, I knew he loved me. So we, as Christians, have to find that balance of telling the world that sin is sin and not compromising on it, but still letting the world know we love you. There's one guy I I went to school with. I love him dearly. We went to Bible college together. And their lifestyle doesn't add up to mine, even though we went to ministry school together. I pray for them to come back to Jesus. Pray for them to get a revelation again of who he is and to understand that this isn't the life they want, that they want to live or the life he wants them to live. But she knows, actually, it's a she. She knows that even though I'll tell her it's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, you know it's wrong, the Bible says it's wrong, you're a preacher, you know this, you know the word as good as anybody I know, what are you doing? She knows it's wrong, but she knows that I love her. Actually, so much so that I heard her one time say to a whole crowd of people that are living in this lifestyle, say that, hey, I know what the Bible says, and we can't change what the Bible says. We're actually just living in sin, guys. 
And we're choosing to continue to live in this sinful life. She said this to her crowd of friends that were all in this, in this lifestyle of living. She said, we can't make up a fantasy that this is good, that God endorses it because he don't. And she's already, there's son coming alive in her again. Why? Because there was a preacher in her life. There was a friend in her life. There was a brother. There was a, a voice in her life that said, hey, you are living in sin. You are living in sin. And it's coming alive in her because why? She knows that there's a love for her. That if she comes out of it, that's still going to be there. That's never changed. That's not going nowhere. It covers all of our sin. There's a mercy for her. There's a new life for her in Jesus. And I believe that we're going to see the fruit of that in her life soon. But we live in a world today, definitely in the Western culture, that is literally trying to say that God endorses lifestyles of sin. Friend, this is where God is going to really use you. Don't let your love become your compromise in those areas. Love them, but don't ever bend the truth of God's word. Love them, but stand firm on the foundation of who Jesus is. Love them, but don't let your love become your compromise. Can I get an amen? The list goes on. Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I'll read it to you one more time. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We could talk about each one of these so long, and each is deserving so. But I want to I point out two more quick things to you. Number one, love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Friend, it's possible for you to be free from evil doing. Do you know that? It is possible for you to be free from evil doing. It is possible for you to never go back to the bondage of sin. It is possible. Why is it? Because whom the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. It's not whom the sun sets free is 50% free. It's not whom the sun sets free is 75% free. It's not whom the sun sets free is 99% free. It's whom the sun sets free is free what? Indeed. It's 100%. I believe the power of Jesus and the power of the blood breaks the curse of sin. It doesn't just stop sin. It breaks sin. It breaks sin. For 1 John 1, 6 and 7 tells us, this is, I want you to really listen to this. Open your heart to this one. So we are lying. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What's that say right there at the end? All. Can we say that really loud like we believe it? Okay, it doesn't say maybe sin. It doesn't say a little bit of sin. Are you sure? What's it say? Do you know God can completely deliver you from all of it? doesn't mean you won't be tempted. doesn't mean life won't happen. But it does mean I'm not under the curse of sin anymore. I don't have to choose to sin. Oh, I could go on a whole thing right here. I heard something. Well, Pastor Corey, I, just, I keep accidentally sinning. 
I keep accidentally. No, you keep choosing to sin. God has broken the curse of sin for you to choose to do right and not to do what? Wrong. All sin. Come on, I feel the Lord in this place. But what does he say? He says, so we are lying. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. Friend, I pray your heart begins to beat really quick if this is you. This is you. I pray, hear me. I love you. God loves you. But I pray your heart starts to beat. I pray you start sweating. You know, they say, well, I'm sweating on front rows. I hope it happens. I hope conviction comes on you. I hope you feel like, man, I got to change something. Why? Because that's dangerous ground. It's a dangerous place to be. Not because God ain't strong enough to pull you out of it, not because God can't love you through it, but it's dangerous ground. It's playing, it's playing jeopardy with, with your life. It's, it's putting things in your life that the Bible says sin is what? Separating you from God. It's a place I wouldn't want to be in. It's a place that sounds a lot like what the gospel say. But Jesus, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. Or let's fix it in our terms. God, we went to church. God, we served. God, I I was on the host team. God, I ran an inflatable at harvest night. God, I served in youth camp and royal family. God, I I helped with Calvary Kids Camp. God, I I was a part. But was there darkness in your life? Did you continue to choose to sin? Did you lie? And saying that you serve God, but the inside of you was not adding up to who you said you were on the out. Let God search your heart this morning. Let him go into the deep places of you. And if there's sin there, let him work it out. Oh, I feel you, Lord. So, friend, do we say we have fellowship with God, but are still living in sin and spiritual darkness? Do we say we have fellowship with God, but we're still living in sin and spiritual darkness? God wants you free from bondage this morning. God wants you free from sin this morning. He didn't die on the cross. He didn't get out of the grave. He didn't ascend to heaven. He didn't, he's not coming back on earth for you to stay lukewarm in sin. He says, choose this day. This morning, Sunday, August 20th, I believe. 8 a.m., choose this morning. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Choose this day. But I love this in verse 9 right below it. 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, what is he? He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all. Where is that? That's that word again. What is it? All. All wickedness. He is faithful to hear us and save us. Let him cleanse you this morning, friend. Let him cleanse you this morning, friend. Can I share a story with you really quick? There's this video. Not the video I showed you for Pastor Phil. They'd run me out. (laughs) There's this video. And this preacher, he's from an uh, apostolic church, 
This preacher was preaching a powerful message. And if I knew the pastor's name, I would give him respect for the, or give him, you know, honor for this because this was all him. This was his message. But he's from an apostolic church, holiness church, Pentecostal church. And he preached a powerful message. I wish I could remember his name. I just, on the video, I couldn't find his name anywhere. It's this old recording. And he was kind of, he's not a famous preacher. He's not your, you know, T.D. Jakes of the world. He's just a, a faithful preacher in a small town. No one knows about. Kid, couldn't even find his name. But he's faithful to pioneer that church week in and week out. And disciple those people, even though no one will ever know. He's faithful to get up and disciple his people every day. And love his church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And he preached a message that kind of caught the stream of social media and kind of blew up this old recording. And he preached about heaven. And when he's preaching about heaven, he said something so powerful. He was talking about quit playing games. It's not worth it. Because if you live a lifestyle of playing games, the people you love are watching your life. If you're not fully into this church thing, if you're not fully into serving Jesus, if you're not fully bought on this, you best believe your kids... Don't get mad when your kids start to rebel. Why are you bought into this? Don't get mad when family starts to not want to be a part of church. The question is, friend, have you been bought? Are you fully given? Have you laid your life down? It doesn't cancel out the fact. Maybe you could, your life has been fully laid down and the devil has still attacked your family. Okay, we'll pray and God can still redeem and pull him. But I want to talk about you. And this is what the pastor said. He goes, I want to talk about us. We lead people. Did you know that you lead people? You might not have any kids. You might not work, work in a school. You might not have anything to do with people that you might think look up, to you, look up to you or watch your life. But can I tell you something? We all have people that watch our lives. Looking to see if you're the real deal. Looking to see if you love Jesus. Looking to see if they can find him in you. And he preached this powerful message. He said, it's not worth it. No more playing games. It's not worth it. He said, because I had a dream, and in the dream I died. And in this dream, I started off and I was in hell. And when I was in hell, he said it was true. Everything the Bible said was true. It was hot. It was an endless pit. It was like I was free-falling the entire time. My worst fear played over me over and over. I was tormented. I was scared. He said he knew he was in a dream, though, that God was showing him something. And he said as he was in here, he said he felt all the real feelings of hell. And he said he heard a voice. Dad! Daddy! And he looked and he found that it was his kids. And they were in hell. And then he heard, Honey! Honey! And he looked over and he seen his wife. And his kids said something powerful. They said this, Dad, why did you never tell us? Dad, why did you not live this out? 
Dad, why'd you tell us to not sin? Why'd you tell us to quit compromise? Why'd you not tell us any of this? We look to you. And the dad was just overtaken. He heard his wife, honey, I look to you. You led me. Why? And then it switched. Now he's in heaven. Talk about a dream change, man. Thank God. Give me a glass of water. So it's like, now he's in heaven. And in heaven, he's there. And he said it was just like the Bible describes. He said he was overtaken by joy. Oh, he said it was beautiful. There was gold everywhere. It was just like the scripture said it would be. There was a river flowing. He said he could see into the courts, into the holy of holies. He could see it. He said he was just overtaken. And he said he got to the throne and he laid at the throne and was just worshiping and could hear the angels and the saints and the elders. He said it was the most beautiful thing. He said he could see Jesus and he was captivated by the Son of God, the Lamb that was slain. He said he could see the Father. The Father was so big and massive. He said he could feel the Spirit through the whole place. It was like it was the oxygen in which they were breathing. He said it was powerful. And then he said he heard something. He heard, Dad! Thank you for living it out. Thank you for telling us that it's worth our whole life. He heard his little daughter, Daddy, thank you for teaching me how to be sold out. Thank you for telling me that God wants all of me, not just a little bit. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you. Now we're here together. Then he heard his wife, Honey, thank you. Thank you for leading our family. Thank you for teaching us the principles of holy living and righteousness and how important it is to not be lukewarm and to be fully given. Thank you for going the narrow way and for leading us down that way. Thank you, honey. And he said, all I could do in the dream if I heard my family is say, no, don't thank me, thank him. And he said he pointed to Jesus, thank him. He was the one that I went the narrow way for. He was the one that I went all in for. He was the one that I laid my life down for. He was the one. Thank Him. And he said, the Lord looked at him and said, wake up. And he woke up out of the dream and he preached this message and his whole church went into revival. Friend, God wants all of you. Not just for your sake, but for the people that watch your life. Because if daddy, all the dads in the room, if they see daddy burning, something's going to happen in your kids. If they see mama burning, something's going to happen in your kids. You might not see it right away, but I promise you, I promise you, you train your child up. Come on. There is stuff put on the inside of them that will be with them forever. It's so important that you're the real deal in and out of season. Not for your own sake, but for the sake of your kids. For the sake of your family, be the real deal. Let them cleanse you this morning. Number two, the second and final thing I want to discuss with you is his love never fails. Aren't you glad that his love never fails? 
God loves us beyond what we can even grasp this side of eternity. If I could preach to you about the love of God, the sermon series would start today and it would end when I die. And then someone else would have to take it. Why? Because the love of God has no end. I could not preach to you in in enough time about the love of God in its fullness. It's impossible. To wrap your head around His love for us, it's impossible. Sit on it for the rest of eternity. It's impossible. It's His love for us. And one of the principles of His love is that it never fails. Friend, His love never fails. We're being pursued by the very love we pursued. Do you know that? This is the beautiful thing about following Jesus. In, his, in your pursuit of Him, He's pursuing you. We're being pursued by the very love that we pursue. God is faithful to meet us when we need Him and where we need Him. Every time, His love never fails. I just over just weep to you right now because his love's never failed me. And some of you in this room, I know his love's never failed you. But some of you in this room, I feel like, well, Pastor Corey, I feel like it might have. I've come to tell you that's a lie from hell. His love has never failed you, friend. And his love is for you. It's never ending. Never failing. It's the love of God and it's for you. And he wants you to have it this morning. But you got to let it in. I feel the Father's love for this room. Let it in. Let his love in. His agape love. What is that again? It's an unconditional love for you. Despite your condition, he loves you. No matter what you're going through, he loves you. No matter what you're facing, he loves you. No matter how many times you fail, guess what, friend? He loves you. Choose this day. Are you going to let his love in this day? Are you going to follow him this day? I heard another man say one time, sometimes God will put all kinds of people in front of you. You'll hear messages over and over and over because God desperately wants you to respond. That's his love for us. I don't want, it's like when you say, I don't want to do that church thing anymore, but then you go to the store and you run into the pastor. Boy, that's happened a lot of times. Definitely when I'm with Otis. Cut a corner. Cut the, well, where have you been? For me, it was, I went on a vacation one time. I went all the way to California. West Coast, man. Far from home. Went down to Las Vegas. Not living a good life at the time. But you best believe I ran into somebody from the mountains of Virginia that knew exactly where I was born, the church I went to, and that God loves me. This is God's love for us. And the reason why stuff like that happens to you over and over and over when we're living in rebellion and sin is because God wants you to answer the call. He loves you so much. The Bible says he doesn't want one to perish. You're that one. He doesn't want you to perish. So he'll set it up over and over and over. Please respond. Please respond. Give your life this time. And if you hear the preacher this morning and there's compromise in your life, this is your message from God this morning. Here I am. I'll be the voice. Repent. Come to him. Stop 
living a lie and be fully given to his purpose on the earth and his purpose in your life. Don't say you have fellowship with God, but you're still in darkness and in sin. That's what the scripture says. Live in the light. Live in the truth. Let him annihilate sin in your life. Amen? Let love in. Let love in. In closing, I want you to do this. To define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Did you know that? You just walking in the love of God is your true self. This is who you were created to be, to be loved by Him. Every other identity is an illusion. I'm going to read that again. Define yourself radically as one loved by God or beloved by God. The one Christ loves. This is the true self. This is who you were created to be. Every other identity is an illusion. Selah. This is who you were created to be, to be loved by him. So whatever anyone else, including yourself, says about you, today, tomorrow, the next couple weeks, next month, next year, I want you to try to let this thought stay with you. You're loved. Loved by God. When life gets hard, you're fully given to this gospel thing, to following Jesus, and temptations arise, and it's hard, and the flesh is fighting you. In those moments, remember, you're loved by God. When people turn their backs on you who said they loved you, in those moments, remember, you're loved by God. In moments of despair and loss, because of the world and death and sickness, remember, you're loved by God. You're loved by God. And when you understand the fact that you love, you're loved by God no matter what, that changes everything. That changes everything. That changes everything. All of it. Just the very fact that we're loved by Him. Friend, you're loved by Him this morning. But just because you're loved by him is not your excuse to continue to sin. Just because you're loved by him and he has grace and mercy for you is not your excuse to continue to sin. It's your reason to quit sinning. Why? Because he loves you. And when you let the result of his love get on the inside of you, you'll love him back. You fall in love with this man, there's nothing the world has to offer you that stands a chance. Let love in this morning. Let love in. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And I'm going to stop right here, and that is what we are. That's all I'm going to read. And that is what we are. That is what you are. You're a child by God. You're a child of God. And lavish meaning extravagant in quantity. You understand his love for you is extravagant. Extravagant. More than we can imagine is his love for us. I want you to stand to your feet all across this room.
but I got to say it one more time. But remember what 1 John says. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing truth. 